0: You're listening to the English Hacks Podcast, where you can start thinking like a native and learn natural American English better. This episode was originally a live stream. Catch English Hacks live streams every Thursday, currently on YouTube. I was wondering which states of America have standard accent you're probably trying to add do there um because it's like a question uh like at the end of a statement um we're not going to use the question structure there right so i was wondering which states of america have standard accent or have uh, the standard accent um so the whole thing is in a statement format and we're not going to use that do have um, as part of the uh, question thing, unless I'm wrong on that. Um, I imagine that's why you accidentally added do, but uh, unless you're trying to emphasize which, America, which states of America do have the standard accent, in which case I misread that because there was no context because <laughs> I wasn't talking about that. Um, but that is that would be acceptable as a form of emphasis. It's just out of context here. Okay, so to your actual question, uh, that's a good question. I'm actually not completely sure. I don't know if, um, see our good friend Wikipedia might be able to tell us. Um, Wikipedia, um, let's see here. So it's general American accent. Um, What I do know, um, let's see here. Uh, Theories about prevalence. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, blah, 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 blah. Details, details. Yeah, okay. Um, I would say that uh, maybe I'm wrong about this. Um, I know a dude from Oregon who pronounces multiple ultimate. Okay, I'll come back to that in a second. Um, I I do know that, um, at least in in my knowledge, there's Western American English, and it's called Western American because it's the Western states. Um, In general, I mean, there's a couple local variations and, you know, weird things that happen, like around Silicon Valley, San Francisco. They have a couple little changes here and there. Um, But... Generally speaking, Western American, it should be pretty much anything to the west of Colorado, including Colorado. So if you go straight up and down and just west from Colorado over, um, should be Western American. And the general American would cover the center. Um, but yeah, that's actually an interesting question. I don't even know why it's called General American because with, if you go f- south and especially southeast or even a little bit up on the east coast, they have more of what we would call a southern accent. So that's a lot of states in there. And then, of course, in the north, the northeast, um, there's a lot of General American around there, I think, but there's also like the Boston, the New York, there's lots of interesting things that happen around there. Um, And then in the northern United States, like the middle northern, um, you get things like in um, Michigan where (laughs) other strange things happen. Like instead of saying, ah, they say, ah, ah, or something like that. Cat, it's a cat. You know, I'm from Michigan. Things like that. Maybe I'm not doing that right. um, But So actually, I think general American is, I mean, if you take all of the states, general American is probably only spoken by like a third of the country. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. Um, But that's a really interesting question. Um, In fact, I think there might be more Western American speakers than general American speakers. Um, all the more reason for me to teach you guys more of a Western American uh, variety, but okay. Um, so Amit uh, says, I know a dude from Oregon who pronounces multiple or ultimate with a light ooh sound instead of butter vowel. A light ooh. I'm not entirely sure what a light ooh should be. So like, like an unstressed ooh? Or is it like Like um, so well in multiple and ultimate multiple ultimate, um, multiple multiple. The way that I say these two words is actually probably more of an L-colored high schwa, um, which is that horseshoe shape, or the I think it's the omega symbol. Um, so I say like. There's uh, which is the high schwa uh, like in good or book. And then l color it. So we go down into the uh half l, the dark l. Um, oh, like pull, right? The word pull, uh, which is not a L colored schwa, it's an L colored high schwa. Um, although I guess if you say it as a schwa, it's probably okay. I don't know what the what general American does with that, but um. I don't say multiple or ultimate. I say multiple and ultimate um, with an OO sound, just like you. OK, yeah. So um, that vowel is different in dictionary. Which one sounds more correct to you? OK, um, but da, 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 da. let's see here, ultimate. Um, According to Dictionary.com, yeah, it's the upside down V, which is what I call the not true schwa, but it's um, the same as the schwa sound. Um, And if we have multiple, um, yeah, so I would imagine in general American, um, I guess it's a schwa or. You know, the stressed schwa, the upside-down B symbol, as you said. Um, And so I guess that's okay if you say it that way, Uh, if you you can do it that way. Um, Doing it with an L-colored high schwa is probably harder. (laughs) Um, But who knows? I mean, for you, maybe it's easier based on your native language. So either way is fine. Um, That's one of the great things about the way I teach you guys, and that's something that I have to try to be aware of, um, is most teachers are going to teach you general American, um, which is a little more complex. They usually don't have the cot-cot merger, so you have to learn two sounds. I try to make that simpler for you guys. So there's some things I ignore, but then there's cases like this where it's like, okay, yeah, if you say it with the schwa, I guess it's okay. I don't say it that way, um, but I give you another way to say it. So if you say it either way, I guess you're going to sound fine. You know, It's not really a problem. Um, so that's just generally good news for you. I just have to make sure that, you know, um, I'm, I'm a little more aware of the variation so that, um, cause I can always tell you how I say it for sure. But sometimes how, you know, most of the time, how I say a word will match general American because there's not a whole lot of differences, um, in the, the total sounds and stuff. But sometimes things like this are just a little bit different and um i don't want to tell you guys like oh this is wrong because it's not wrong um it's just not the way i say it so um i've also heard that open a sound in cot cut merger which is less rounded isn't popular for educated natives okay so <laughs> um so, okay. <laughs> to make sure I understand because there's a couple of different ways I can interpret this. Um, I'm pretty sure, you're, so you're saying in the cot merger, like the, the way that I taught you, teach you, which is the fifth vowel sound, ah. Uh, well, that symbol is used in and out of the cot merger. It's just sort of shifted in its position. Um, that is what I would call the fifth vowel, but the way that I do it is farther back. Um compared to general American. Um, In general American, it's almost more of a a central vowel. So, ah, ah. So you're talking inside the merger? Because otherwise the sentence is kind of confusing. But if you're talking about like... Okay. So for... So what you've heard is that for educated native speakers basically you're saying that the 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 unmerged where you have the two sounds is more common and popular for educated native speakers so the cot cot merger would then be something that uneducated natives uh tend to use is that what we're saying here or is that what what you've heard okay Hopefully I explained that right, yeah. (laughs) Um, I imagine somebody who speaks General American, or anybody who speaks without the merger, um, that would include British English, um, they would probably look at somebody who just uses the merger, just uses the one sound for for those cases, um, where you're supposed to use either of the two. It would probably seem maybe uneducated from their perspective. Um, and that is something that I would very strongly disagree with because that would mean that pretty much almost the entire West coast is just full of uneducated people. (laughs) And that doesn't make any sense. Um, it's just a variation. Um, some people might have the perception of that. Um, but I've never heard that before. And if so, well, screw them, you know, who, who cares? It's, it's a perfectly fine variation, um, of English dialects and it makes things easier. So, I don't see any problem with it. Um it definitely doesn't sound less educated to me. Maybe that's because I have the Cockhart merger. Um but if we compare that to something like say using a d sound in place of a th, not of a dental d but like a full d sound saying like "do" instead of though. That is something that everybody, well not everybody, but most people west middle, you know, British, are most people are going to look at that as as edu- uneducated. Um So, um, how do, wait, how to have, oh. Okay, so you, so how to use have and use had? That would make more sense. (laughs) So, like the difference between the two, is that what we're asking? How to have, had, had. No how to use have had and had so you mean like the the there's like the, the verb have which would be present tense and then had like past tense and then had as the past participle have had or have 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 mm. well unless I'm just not thinking of something, I'm pretty sure we never say have have. Have had, there are plenty of places to use that. But have have, I don't think so. If you can give me any examples, um, then that would also be nice. But um, because this is actually a really good question, and I'm eventually going to make a video about this um, <laughs> when at some point when I eventually finish the pronunciation course. Um, have, um, like, I have had my dinner. Okay, um, and then compared to like, I have have my dinner, because that just that's not correct. That's grammatically wrong, and nobody would ever say that. <laughs> um, okay, let, let's talk about have. Have is unfortunately a stupid verb in English. Um, and one of the reasons why it's, uh, actually the reason why it's one of the most common verbs, um, I think it's like the third most common verb in English, is because, it sounds like there's a helicopter, hopefully that doesn't get too loud, um, aside from the fact that the, the verb itself has multiple meanings and multiple collocations, um, like have fun, Uh, or we had a great time, right? We're using have in that case where a different language might use something else. Um, Aside from that, grammatically, have has certain uses, have has, have has certain uses. Um, That's a very special case because I'm talking about the verb have, and then I'm saying has. So very, very special case only because we're talking about grammar. (laughs) Um, And Not all of these grammatical uses are actually the verb have. They're just used grammatically. So let me explain what that means. Um, We have the verb have, okay? So there's main verb have, main verb have. So this is the regular verb have, I have a car, I have, um, you know, I had fun at the party, uh, I don't have time, whatever, just regular have that actually has meaning, meaning generally to own or to possess something, but it's a very common verb. Okay, that's pretty easy. Then we have uh, have to, which is basically the same as must, which you probably already know, right? Um, And must is a modal, technically have to is not a modal verb. And there are some times, there are some some specific uses where have to and must are not the same, but generally speaking, have to is much more common than must in American English because it usually replaces must. Must will sound more formal, usually, um, uh, or maybe just like really strong, like stronger than necessary, um, usually. But have to and must, same thing. In many cases. We're, we're not, we won't worry about the exceptions to that. That's um, the basics of that. So we have have as a verb and we have have to. Now I did talk about in the logic of prepositions why have to means must, why it creates that meaning. There's actually a logical reason. That's something else that we can talk about if you want. Um, but these are two different things, right? The normal verb have as a main verb does not mean must. You, ha- you need have and to. So that's a second use, you can say that's like a a special grammatical use of have that has a special meaning, different meaning. Okay, then we have the present perfect. And so this is have done. This have in the present perfect is not have. (laughs) It looks like have, it's pronounced like have, it's usually actually contracted, I've, you've, whatever. Um, where the main verb have in American English does not usually contract. Um, That's one big difference. But this verb have in the present perfect is just grammar. There's probably a logical reason why English, um, and I think other European languages, they tend to use have to create the perfect tenses. Um, Like Spanish has two verbs for have, tener and haber. Tener is the regular have, um, like I have a car, and then haber is used for like the present perfect and stuff like that. So they have two separate verbs that both translate into English as have, right? Um, so in Spanish, it's a lot clearer. It's actually two different words. Um, but in English, it looks like the same word, but they're two completely different functions, okay? So the present perfect does not mean to possess or anything like that. It's just grammatical structure um, used to make the compound perfect tenses. And of course we have the present perfect, have done, we have the past perfect, had done, and we have the future perfect, which is not very common but we do use it sometimes, will have done. You just put will in front of it and now it's future perfect. Um, But we see have, 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 and that's a special use of have in all those cases. Okay. (laughs) But that's not all. (laughs) It gets even more complicated than that. Um, So I'll come to that in a second. Um, Don't worry. Um, If this starts to take too long, I will uh, go and and answer your question and come back to this. But um, those are the basics of have, okay? Those are the things that you probably know. Main verb, uh, have to meaning must usually, and um, the perfect tenses, that's pretty easy. Um, then we have, we know the past tense, the simple past tense, simple past of have is had. Okay, now this is where things get a little more complicated and, and a little more stupid, um, and a little more confusing and misleading. So if it's just a simple past, right, I have a car, Right? Or I have to leave, so have to, right? Both of these, if you put them into the past, we're going to get had. So I had a car, but now I don't. or I had to leave at that moment, right? I'm just describing a something that i I had to do in the past, an obligation in the past. Okay. Um, so their meanings stay the same. main verb and have to but we're just moving it to the past using had. Um, we know the past perfect is had done, so instead of have done, we still change have to had, but we keep the done, that third form of the verb or the past participle, however you want to look at it. Um, and so had basically puts things into the past. Okay, so that's not too bad. Um But if we look at the past tense of modal verbs, this is where it starts to get really, really stupid. Okay. Um, This also starts to get into the conditionals the second conditional, the third conditional, a little more advanced grammar, um, not as commonly used, but it is, you know, we do use it, of course. Um, And With the exception of, I think, can, Um, because we know there's can and could. Could is the past tense of can, but could also has other uses that are not even related to can. Well, they're indirectly related, but it's not the past tense of can. Like, I could go if I had the time, okay? That's not um, the past of can. That's hypothetical could, different meaning. So if we use that as an example, I could go if I had time. Okay, now we have two things here. First, could is hypothetical. It's not about can. It's like a hypothetical can. Okay, it's not the past tense. But then this had that we see in if I had, this is something that is very stupid and special because there's something, and we don't have to talk a lot about this because... It's not the most useful thing, but it can be, and I probably mentioned it a little before, the subjunctive mood. I will not make this a lesson on the subjunctive mood. That's mostly stupid grammar that we don't have to care about. Uh, But, in many languages, uh, many European languages, that use the subjunctive mood. This is like if I say, um, I wish uh, you were here. Okay. Um, or, I wish he were here. Notice, not he was, he were. Okay, we have to say were because it's subjunctive. I wish he were here. Um, in other languages, if you say, I wish he were here, or if you say, he was here, those are two completely different forms. Now, in English, was and were, like he was and he were, those are the two little kind of remaining differences in actual English grammar today, but for all other verbs, to eat, to do, to see, to to have, to go, um, over time, the subjunctive form has become um, what looks like the simple past, or yeah, what looks like the simple past. So if I make a past tense statement, I had time, That's simple past. I'm just saying something about the past. But if I say, I wish I had time, or I could go if I had time, that is not had in the past. That is this sort of hypothetical subjunctive have, meaning that I don't have time. But if I did, hypothetically, imagining a different reality, then I could. I would be able to go. Um, if that's at all confusing, it's really hard to talk about this without using other forms of the same type of grammar. (laughs) Um, and this can be confusing, but hopefully that makes sense. Um, so we have this use of have, um, which is more of a hypothetical, it's not simple past or anything. Um, and that's a special grammatical use, but of course, um, that goes for all verbs. If I say like, um, I could go if um, he um, let me, okay, um let again, looking like past tense, he well, I let present tense, I let past tense it doesn't change. So in this case, you might even think it's the present tense, but it's not. It's this subjunctive hypothetical form. okay. um, then when we talk about the past tense of modals, so going back to the past tense of modals, if you want to make could into the past tense, which would be more of like a third conditional, so you're talking about a hypothetical past that you can't change, okay? You make could into the past by saying, um, I could have gone if I had had time. Right, So the present perfect of have would be have had, uh, or has had, if it's he has had. The past perfect of the verb have is had had. Now, in this, when we're saying if I had had time, it looks like the past perfect, but it's not. It's again this hypothetical, it just uses the same form as the past perfect, it looks like the past perfect, but it's this subjunctive hypothetical form, okay? This is one reason why it's so confusing. And then if we look at I could have gone, did I type that right? Oh yeah, my mouse is in the way. Um, We're saying instead of I could go, that's more second conditional, it's a may be possible today or tomorrow or sometime but once you say i could have gone you're talking about a past and you can't change that past you're imagining a different past so you would have had the ability to go but you did not have time so you could not go okay um now notice when I use could there, now it's a simple passive can because I'm changing it. See, this is where it all gets complicated when we switch in and out of the subjunctive and the um, indicative, which is normal verbs. Um, so it gets stupid and complicated, especially with have. Um, so, um, and I think there might be another use of have, but a quick summary, we have have as a main verb meaning to own or possess something usually. Um, We have have to, generally meaning must. We have um, the perfect tenses, have done, had done, will have done. Um, We have the subjunctive form, had looks like the simple past. The subjunctive past tense form, which looks like the past perfect, had had. Um, or had done, if it's a different verb, had seen, had eaten Um, and then of course we have what looks like the present perfect, have gone, I could have gone to make modals into the past, I must have gone, I could have gone, I would have gone, I should have gone right Um, but that have gone is not present perfect, it just looks like present perfect okay, it is too complicated (laughs) Um, and this is one reason why I try to approach grammar. I haven't talked a whole lot about grammar yet on this channel. I'm definitely going to in the future, but when I teach grammar, I try to do it in a way that allows you to feel it and build up examples in your brain. But sometimes some direct grammar study is very useful. Um, just read and watch in your target language. You'll internalize grammar rules automatically. Generally speaking. Yes. Um, that that's generally what I agree with. Um, exposure, exposure, exposure at the end of the day, it's exposure, right? You can memorize rules. You can, you know, listen to me talk forever. Uh, you can study it. You can do grammar exercises. You can do all these kinds of things, but it, it's going to come down to exposure. And then of course your ability to actually use it. You do need some practice speaking so that it'll actually come out, um, automatically. Um, there is a bit of a gap there, but it, that's a, a, a point that you know people have different perspectives on. Um, but generally speaking, yes, the more exposure that you have, that's going to be the, that's generally the best way to um, absorb the grammar. Um, aside from you know what I try to do with the, the difficult grammar, like the prepositions, where I try to help you guys feel it and hack it so that you don't have to spend as much time trying to internalize through exposure. Um, Anyway, okay, back to... uh, and so I'm going to get to Ahmet's pronunciation question here, Um, but I hope MD, um, I hope that that answers your question. Um, If you have any other questions related to that, let me know, and I hope that that was understandable. Okay. Why do you hear the, what I would call the schwa sound and a schwa is the same sound. Oh, okay, here we go. Uh, just take the word custom. For example, the first vowel, uh, is in this reverse weird thing. First vowel. Oh, is this reverse weird thing? Okay. I see. Yeah. So the upside down, I would say an upside down V, or you can say an A without the line. There's different ways to describe it. Um, and the second vowel is a schwa. Try changing the play. Yeah, so if I say custom, custom. Now, okay, let me let me explain this. Let me explain this. If if we have these two syllables here, so you're absolutely correct. If we go to how the IPA would be transcribed, the first one, which is stressed, would be the upside down V. The second one would be uh, the upside down E for a schwa, a true schwa, as I call it. Um, and side by side, because I'm stressing the first one, the second one is obviously going to sound a little bit different. uh, If for no other reason, then it's not stressed. Um, And it's a lot smaller, a lot faster, right? Custom, custom, custom. Um, And so that is absolutely true. Um, Even in that case, I would say, yes, there's there's a clear difference in sound, not in terms of what sound is being created. I would say it's still basically the same sound, Um, but in terms of the actual, like what you hear that's coming out, we could say that maybe the quality of the sound is different um, because the first one is louder and longer, stressed, the second one is unstressed. Now, to a native English speaker, generally speaking, um, and I don't know if this is true of general American, maybe I'm wrong, but definitely to my ears as a Western, um, a generally Western American speaker, Both of these sounds. If you ask a native speaker to try to, you know, transcribe, like, like, how would you try to phonetically write um, the the syllables in this word? They would probably write it like this, All right. and If they put a separator, so it's a little clearer, kuh-stum, something like that. Maybe they'll put the s in the first syllable. Doesn't really matter. Um, but they would probably do it this way. And there's a reason for that. Um, If we want to get very, very, very technical, you can say that because they are actually a slightly different position, they're not actually the same sound. So depending on what your native language is and depending on how well your ears can hear the split difference between those two positions, um, you could argue that no, they're not the same sound. However, um, first of all, they're so close that to a native speaker, we identify them as pretty much the same. Um, second, I actually did testing with this because I wanted to verify. Um, I, I, I did some research and I found multiple sources that said it's basically the same sound. Um, and so I wanted to, t- to test it myself. So I was testing it with my own mouth. I was testing it with uh, with my roommates. Um, and I even tested it with a couple of family members just to see how they would say... Um, you know, if it were a true schwa, um, which would be the upside down E as I call a true schwa, um, never, never supposed to be stressed. Or if it's that upside down V, um, that I also call a schwa and all of my results from everybody that I listened to, um, came out exactly the same. And one way that I I know for sure that this is true is because if we look at the, the preposition of okay normally in the flow of a sentence, right this is going to be a schwa. it's going to be nice and small. We even usually drop the v and it's usually just a little schwa sound right or even um, well I guess a doesn't work because the article a fully pronounces a not a but of okay we don't reduce it okay it's just of. Um, the only reduction that might happen is we drop the V sound, but we don't reduce the vowel. Um, if I were to say of in the flow of a sentence, right? Like in the flow of a sentence, in the flow of a sentence, the, 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 okay? It's nice and small. It's not stressed. No problem. But if I were to clearly say the word, okay, just clearly pronounce the word for, for whatever reason. Usually this wouldn't happen in real life, but if I were to, to specifically say, okay, this is this word, how would I naturally say it? How would everybody else that I tested naturally say it? Of, it's a schwa sound. It's the, well, it's the upside down V sound, which I call a schwa sound. Um, of, 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 we go right into that upside down V position automatically. Okay, um, because we identify it as essentially the same sound. So it's not so much about a difference of sound, it's more a difference of stress and you could say smallness of the sound, where the true schwa, the upside down E, um, is usually so small, even to the point where we might call where wherever it's being used a syllabic consonant, because the schwa is so small that it's almost not heard. Heard. <laughs> it's almost not heard. I was trying to think of two things at the same time there. Um, for example, in mountain, um, now, I actually I noticed that many cases where general American would reduce to a schwa, I actually reduced to the second vowel, eh. Um, and so that's cool because you guys have more variation that you can you can work with, whichever is easier, but um, in General American, and I'll, I'll double check this for mountain. Um, it should be a schwa. If it's not just a straight out, yeah, they, they just do it as a straight out it's a bit con- consonant. Um, the full pronunciation of this word would be mountain, mountain, and it might come out that way. Probably not. Um, this is a common example used to show where we might have a glottal stop t inside of a word, because that's usually what we do. We say mount with a glottal stop, and then we'll do n. Okay, we won't even open up again. We'll just go straight in. We're already sort of in that T position, um, although we don't have to be for the glottal stop, but there's no need to open the mouth. You can do a syllabic N consonant, Mm, mount, And that's a very common way to say it. However, you can also, if maybe you get a little lazy or something, maybe you know you didn't do the glottal stop T in the T position, which is a variation that I'm going to be talking about in the T lesson that will be posted soon. <laughs> was supposed to be posted this week, but I had stupid technical difficulties. Um, but for whatever reason, it's also possible to say like mountain, 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 where there's this little schwa sound. And that little schwa sound can be so small, anywhere between like a, uh, all the way up to that fully closed n, where there is no extra little syllable there, just a, an n sound. Um, all of that is acceptable. All of that is acceptable and might come out that way. What's the official proper way? Or the most common way? Um, Doing a glottal stop and a syllabic N. Or maybe if you're fully enunciating, mountain or mountain. That's just a very nice and clear enunciated way. Um, But that's another example of... um, how the schwa, it, it actually kind of has a range. I would actually say the upside down V, which is like the most open version of the schwa, is sort of like the lowest um, lowest possible point in the variation of what we would identify as a schwa. And anything from there up to pretty much no syllable at all would be considered a schwa sound. Um, and it starts to become a um, a syllabic consonant once you start closing whatever sound it is, a P and N, whatever it is. Um, So if we're gonna split hairs, that's how I would split the hairs. (laughs) Um, But that that should uh, help explain in more depth why I say that um, those two are both schwa sounds um, for simplicity because there's not really much reason to separate them except on the grounds of stress. Um, and also, I mean, that's another point. What about this word? Now, you probably want to say this word as like maybe 20, right? Um, and that would be a very nice, full, proper pronunciation. We have twa with that third vowel, or maybe even twe with the second vowel, that's okay, but twe, that's gonna be stressed, twe, twen, put that in there, and then t, right? That's probably how, and let's, let's see what the dictionary says. Let's see how the dictionary says this. Um, yeah, so it's twen t, exactly, pretty much as I said, um, using the IPA. They do give the variation of that upside down v, right? Um, But, I'm going to argue against that, because what I would say, um, if we go from 20, which usually we drop the t, and we'll connect the n, that's nt plus vowel connection rule, I haven't talked about that on the channel, but this very often happens inside of a word, not always, but very often. So we'll actually have 20, 20, second t disappears, 20, okay? Um, and that's what I would call the full pronunciation. Now, this is often actually pronounced 20, and maybe not all speakers say it in that variation. I don't know. Um, but to me, that is the most natural, common way to say it. Now, sometimes there's just more than one way to say a word, but this, to me, definitely, it seems like a reduction of sound because it happens so much with, with the schwa sound, um, or maybe with the a sound, that we get reductions like this, but this is a stressed syllable. And so maybe my analysis is wrong. Maybe it's just a variation. Um, but that feels to me much more like a reduction than a variation. Um, and yet, the schwa is never supposed to be stressed. But if it's a reduction, then it's not supposed to be stressed. <laughs> um, and so we have like a stressed reduction, Right, where a eh becomes a, uh, um, and so it 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 kind of blurs those lines. Um, so maybe I'm completely wrong about that. I don't know. Maybe you disagree with me. That's fine. Not everybody agrees with my perspective on things, um, and I don't agree with everybody else's perspective on things. Uh, but it should be clear why I think that. And if not, then feel free to ask follow up questions or you know, we can debate that further, but um, see, like notice right now, I just said, but, but, but that's supposed to be a schwa. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to check the dictionary. Should be a schwa because it's just a grammar word. Um, But. Okay. Yeah. So, both variations. If it's unstressed, then it's, a, it's an upside-down E. If it's not, then it's an upside-down V. Okay, so you can use both there. Um, again, see, but notice there's no difference in sound. If you go to the dictionary and you look up but, and you go to the IPA transcription, you see the upside-down V, and then it says unstressed with an upside-down E for the schwa sound. But it's the same word. It's the same sound. If I say stressed, but, but, but... Right, make it really long and crazy, or if I just say, uh, yeah, it's great, but I don't know, but I, but I, but I, it sounds exactly the same to me. It's just a lot shorter and faster. That's the difference. Can you explain about sentence stress? I can. Yes. Um, I think maybe you asked something about that earlier, uh, or not earlier, but um last time. Uh, somebody asked about it, and yes um, if you have any specific examples that would also help a lot because that's kind of a big topic but um, I can definitely talk about that in a general way ah, drink some more of my wine this is not tea this is wine so yeah don't drink kids <laughs> unless you're an adult then um, you know do what you want but um, okay sentence stress <sighs> Now, do you mean? Are you talking about sentence level stress in terms of like the like primary stress, secondary stress, that type of thing, or are we talking about like intonation and how things kind of maybe flow differently um, and are maybe stressed a little differently based on the context or on? Um, they're they're very related topics very very related topics i don't know if you're specifically asking about one or the other Um, but let's do this in a very general way the first thing um yes intonation okay so um 1st there's let's talk about something called primary stress and secondary stress. When you say certain with the N, end, does your tongue touch the alveolar ridge? For T with no audible release, or you just stop the air without ever touching the ridge? Well, okay, for the T with no audible release, or just stop the air without ever touching the ridge? Certain, certain, certain. certain that's a good question that's related to um i'm gonna get back to the sentence stress this is a short answer really quick um i was alluding to that a little a little while ago um there's so in certain like in mountain um you could push out the t certain that's fine um or certain see it sounds weird if i try to do a schwa I like it eh. but um the way it's most commonly pronounced is with a, a glottal stop t but there's two ways to do a glottal stop t for all other glottal stops, you have to go into the position of that stop, like the P. You close your lips into the P, you close off your glottis, hold your breath for half a second, stop. Okay, that's glottal stop P. For the T, this is the one exception where you can go into the T position, or you can just have be in any position. As long as it's not a P or a K, you know, or whatever, um, it doesn't matter. If I say what, but I keep my mouth open, what, what. See, I'm not what I'm not bringing my tongue up. That time I did, but before I did not. Um, technically, there's a small difference in sound, but we're going to interpret that as a t in both cases. Um, sometimes there will be a little confusion of if it's a k or if it's you know something else. Usually, that's not a problem, but occasionally, it can kind of throw natives off a little bit. Um, so, to answer your question, with certain you can do either one; it doesn't matter. Um, the way I do it is use certain, certain. Certain, certain, certain. It kind of depends if the tongue gets there or not. <laughs> I'm just flowing through, making my mouth move, and yeah, kind of going through it a few times. Sometimes it feels like my tongue gets there before. Sometimes it feels like my tongue doesn't get there before. So um, either way is fine. Okay, so first there's primary stress. Talking back again about sentence stress. There's primary stress and secondary stress. Um This is the first thing we have to understand. Secondary stress. (laughs) Um, Can't do two things at the same time. Now, um, primary stress and secondary stress happen within a word um, or can happen within a word, uh, and it definitely happens within a sentence. Um, And this can get very, very complicated because it's not just in a sentence, it also depends on the clause, right? So if I say, I think that he's right, we usually don't say that. I think he's right, but that's two clauses. Okay. We can think of those like two ideas in the same sentence. Um, so in a word, right? If I say television, television, um, the primary stress, the, the loudest, biggest stress is on the tech, right? Tele, tele. And then vision is also stressed, stress, but not as high. Television television. So we kind of hear this sort of bump, bump, and there are a number of words that do that. Usually four syllables or more, sometimes in a three-syllable word, um, but it's usually four or more syllables. In a sentence, The primary stress, so there's going to be, right, words have their own stress. So within a sentence, if you have, say, five stressed words, um, let's say, okay, for example, um, I uh, wanted to go to the store yesterday. Actually, let's do... um... Before we continue, I have some interesting information for you about our sponsor. You know that it's very important to listen to English a lot if you want to improve. Podcasts are a really great way to do that, and so you're here listening to me. Thanks. However, have you ever thought about making your own podcast? You can do that with Anchor. It's free and it is the easiest way to make your own podcast. Maybe in your own language or in English. Now there's a way to practice. Anchor has creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from either your phone or your computer. Are you worried about all the difficulty of getting your podcast on different platforms like Spotify or iTunes? Anchor handles all of that for you. You can even make money from your podcast, and you do not need a minimum number of listeners to start. Just think, everything you need to make a podcast, practice some English, and maybe make a little bit of money all in one place. Oh, and did I mention it's completely free? Download the free Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm to get started. And now, back to the show. Can you give an example of that? (laughs) Um... Cause, I mean, you might be talking about the like at the end of a sentence, um, inflection of tone. That sounds like a very proper proper terminology that I may not quite be familiar with. Um, but I wanted to go to the store yesterday. I wanted to go to the store every day. Okay, so in the past, you know, whatever I wanted to go to the store every day. Um, so here, want, go, store, first syllable of every and and uh, day are all stressed. OK, so whether a word is one syllable or more than one syllable, whether it has just one stress or maybe it has a primary and a secondary stress, um, those are the word word level stress that's going to just be in the sentence. OK, so we're going to have this sort of like up and down, you know, throughout the sentence. Um, I went to the store. I went- yes. OK, good. Yeah. So I'm going to come to that. Very good. Very good. Um For the sentence level stress, uh, outside of the word, so not just the word stress, but actually for the whole sentence, the first thing, uh, what we would call sort of like a primary stress for the sentence, um, this is often called the focus word, um, which isn't what I used to call it, um, but I hear that's a term people use. Stress changes. Yes, exactly. Um, stress can change the whole meaning. Um, stress can do a lot of things. So we're going to talk about all that. Um, I like to call the focus word, the super stress because it's sort of, it's the one that stands out the most. Okay. So it doesn't matter what else is stressed in the sentence. This particular word is going to be the most stressed. Now that can also apply to a word that is not normally stressed. Okay, so it's not about making one stressed word or syllable into a more stressed word or syllable. Um, it's about making any word or syllable, if it's a multi syllable word, um, any word into the focus, right? The, the most stressed word. Um, and this can change the whole meaning. So, like you said, right? Okay, I went to the store. I went to the store. Now, there's, there's always going to be a default focus or a default super stress without any special context um so when we say i went to the store i went to the store it could be kind of hard to hear because it's kind of it's kind of even there's not really any particular focus um but i would probably say store is a little bit higher right i went to the store i went to the store It kind of pops up a little bit more maybe you would say went it kind of doesn't matter, because there's there's no special focus here. It's okay. Um, but there's usually a default one that's just a little bit higher. Um, if we change that, and we say, I went to the store. okay. Now, when you move the focus word, or the super stress, you have to have a special reason to do so. Because that is going to, as you said, it can change the entire meaning. Okay. It's really based on context. So um, if you say I, if you make I the focus word, I went to the store. The only reason I would say that is maybe you think I'm, I said somebody else. You know, I said Tom went to the store. I didn't say Tom went to the store. I went to the store. You, you, you didn't understand what I said properly. I went to the store. Okay. Um, if that's not the context, if I'm not trying to correct you, I mean, maybe there's some other context where I would emphasize I, but it, it doesn't need to be the focus most of the time. And so it doesn't get that focus stress for the sentence, right? Um, Cause it's not stressed itself anyway. If you say went, I went to the store. I went to the store. There might be a couple of reasons to do that. Um, what I immediately think of is you're saying uh, again, correction. You know, when you're correcting someone, this is a very, very common way or common reason to modify um, or to um, emphasize the focus even more if it's just a normal focus word. Um, So if you say, I went to the store, that sounds like somebody thinks you did something else to the store, like you you uh, hit the store or I don't know, you stole from the store. I don't know, something. You say, no, no, no. All I did is I went to the store. That was the action, right? And that's why you're giving super stress or focus word stress to went because you're clarifying the action. Um, Again, there might be another reason in another context to do that, but off the top of my head, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, Two, in a sentence like this, I mean, there there are times to maybe stress too, but "to" is this tiny little word. It's very very rarely stressed. Um, in fact, it's usually reduced to "ta." Pretty much never gets the super stress because um, there's no reason to give it to it, right? But uh, maybe if you're comparing "to" and "from," like, oh no, I I went to the school, not from the school, then maybe. Um, and then store, if you think I went uh, to the beach. I said, no, 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 no. I didn't go to the beach. I went to the store. Okay. I went to the store. Um, and when we do this, um, this inflection, this change of the focus word, um, we can make it a little bit longer than normal. Um, we can make it really, really stress. You need a special reason to make it even more and more stress. Like if it's crazy, crazy stress. Like maybe you're angry. Like, Oh, I went to the store. Not to the beach. You listen. I told you three times. I went to the store, right? See, so notice. I'm I'm very angry. I'm upset. I'm I don't think you're understanding. So I'm putting breaks between all the words. We're breaking the flow. I went to the store, right? Um, because I have a special reason to do that. You're not understanding what I'm saying. Um, so it all depends so much on context. Um, formality can be part of that as well. That's a little more complicated. Um, but in a language like English, uh, especially in a language like English that is stress timed, um, this is how we show clarification. This is how we show emphasis, um, or special emphasis, you might say. Um, this is how we show maybe emotions, right? Um, like say, I really want to go to the beach, right? Because I never go there. And it's like my first time ever. And my family says, we're going to the beach next week, but I can't wait. So I say, Oh, I want to go to the beach. Right? Make it really long. It's a little bit higher. I want to go to the beach. Sounds kind of whiny. Actually, it's a little annoying, but um, I'm warping or changing that word to fit my expression, right? Um, and other languages do that in various ways. You know, English isn't unique there, but in a language like English, um, that's just a core part of our expression and how we express things. Um, so I hope that answers your question in a in a basic way. If you have any other questions related to that, we can... Um, Take a closer look at some other details, or if I didn't answer your question, then I can clarify some stuff. Well, we talked about some uh, big topics, (laughs) you guys. (laughs) It's funny the uh, I do a live stream later in the day here. It's almost eight o'clock, and uh, now you guys hit me with all the, the like big complicated questions, which is fine. Yeah. But um, we talked about have. We talked about inflection of intonation, inflection of tone, as you stated. Um, some pronunciation stuff. Let's see. hope I didn't miss anything or forget anything. I usually imitate Logan Paul. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't know. I don't actually like, I mean, I've, I've seen a few videos where he's in it. Um, I don't really don't pay attention to Logan Paul. Um, I mean to say, because he has high pitched intonation. Uh, well, I haven't actually paid attention to his, his pronunciation. So when I have heard him speak, nothing has, has, has stood out to me, um, that I remember. So it should be fine. Um, but I can look up some clips, him really quick, and um, Paul. Yeah, he's a... He seems to be an interesting guy. Pretty crazy. But... Um, okay. Let's see. He's talking about Pokemon cards. I like Pokemon cards. I used to have a lot of Pokemon cards. Okay. Um, so just listening to a few little sound bites and clips out of this video here. Um, I can kind of see what you're saying where he has like a high pitched intonation. Um, based off of the very little that I know about him, he, he seems to kind of try to like sensationalize things and go over the top and be like, you know, really animated. Um, he doesn't, I don't, he probably doesn't always talk like an actual person. (laughs) Um, you know, like if you see somebody, especially somebody who's really overly animated, like, what's up guys, this is what we're talking about today and it's going to be so great and awesome and I did this thing and I went over there. It, I mean, it fits English. Like he's using English properly. It's just, it's, it's a really exaggerated way of talking um, and you might get some of that from him. Um, so uh, I don't know. Um, my f- impression right now, I would say it's, it's okay to imitate him as one source, but maybe not as a primary source. Um, so I don't know, um, but I know I know what you mean. It's 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 a valid question because um, back when I was well, I mean I've kind of always been learning Japanese on and off, <laughs> but um, I've heard that. Uh, a lot of people because they like Japanese and they like anime so much. And that's one of the reasons why they like Japanese is because they like anime and they watch a lot of anime in Japanese, right? Japanese cartoons, anime. Um, and apparently in anime, a lot of the speech patterns are maybe like exaggerated or, you know, just not quite normal everyday Japanese speaking style. Um, and so they they end up with this sort of like weird way of speaking Japanese where they sound like an anime character. Um, and so, yeah, the the source that you're imitating can be important. That's um, one thing to consider. Suggest me some of the YouTube channels to imitate on. Uh, that's a good question. I actually haven't really thought about that. <laughs> um, so you, well, I mean, obviously I was gonna say you mean like actual like native speaker content, but yeah, we're trying to imitate here. Um, so well it depends on what you're interested in i mean if you list me some some topics um i might know some things um i can list some of the people that i follow just because i'm interested um i can't tell you off the top of my head if some of them are western american or general american so you might end up imitating you know a little bit different than how i teach you which is fine It's perfectly fine um So let's see. Um, well, I watch PewDiePie. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you guys watch PewDiePie. Um, but obviously he's Swedish. Um, he actually has a very good English accent. He doesn't sound quite like a native, but his accent these days is super, super good. Um, he just says, 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 God, I cannot speak. He just says a few words, a little bit weird sometimes. Um, so PewDiePie actually, maybe not for full imitation, but if you like PewDiePie, you can uh, definitely use him for input, for exposure. Um, who do I watch? Uh, I watch some political channels. <laughs> That's about American politics. If you're interested in American politics, I can give you a couple ideas. Um, let's say, Who do I watch? I don't know. I spend a lot of time watching or watching... Yeah, you know, watching sometimes but listening to music on YouTube um more than anything if you're at all into like personal finance um ram Stefan. sometimes watch him Not a whole lot but he's an interesting guy um and I think that's it. Might be spelled with a ph. I'm not sure. There's two ways to spell that name. Um, who else do I watch? Let me let me bring up my YouTube. Um, of course, I'm logged into English Hack, so it's not going to give me all of the same people. Um, Wheezy waiter, Wheezy waiter. Yes, this guy um especially if you like i guess what you would call dry comedy um dry comedy is usually more of a british thing but this guy he makes a lot of really stupid jokes and puns uh which are you know playing with words and stuff and uh he's just i really like his style of of comedy and humor and um he does these challenges where it's like, Oh, I quit sugar for 30 days or I quit the internet for 30 days. And, you know, he'll also just talk about, you know, other stuff. And he's it's just, hes really interesting, really funny. Um, so you might want to check him out. He could be worth imitating. Um, maybe not the over the top comedy style, but, uh, you know, when he's actually like speaking normally, (laughs) um, I, I think he might be good to imitate. Um, let's see here. Um, one of the best sources of imitation actually would be talk radio or talk shows um, because in those situations you're actually, I mean, it's not necessarily street English, which a lot of the time street English is like really, really informal <laughs> um, where in American English, when you're having an interview with somebody, if it's on like the news then it might be a little more formal, but usually, um, like Ellen DeGeneres, if you've heard of her or, you know, talk radio, talk shows, whatever. Um, usually they're more relaxed. It's not like super formal language or anything like that. Um, and people are speaking very naturally. So pretty much any talk radio, uh, or talk show where people are being interviewed, um, so Ellen DeGeneres, if you like her, um, I heard she did something recently. I don't remember. Um, I don't really pay attention. So maybe people are mad at her or something. How do you? I guess that's how you spell it. I think that's how you spell it. Who knows how to spell that last name? DeGeneres. Want to do it, Ellen Show? Yeah course, it's not going to tell me how to spell her last. Oh, no, there it is. Oh, okay. See, I don't know why I want to put a capital G. It's in the middle of her name. It just seems like it's supposed to be two words put together, like French or something, like degenerous. But, um, yeah, so degenerate. Degenerate. Like that, yeah. Anyway, that's enough time about that. Um, well, if you want to start a YouTube channel, <laughs> I know somebody that you can mimic <laughs> or imitate. Um, If you're into nutrition, um, and diet, and, um, particularly I would have to clarify it's veganism. Um, I have some very excellent resources. I actually spend probably most of my time outside of listening to music, watching, um, scientific nutrition videos and things like that. Um, let's see andre jeek maybe He's another personal finance guy i don't really know i don't even know who i watch you yeah. know so i guess that's all i got <laughs> for now um what do you think of joe rogan oh joe rogan <laughs> duh <laughs> yeah joe rogan's another guy that you can uh you can imitate if you want um Good idea. Uh, what do I think of Joe Rogan? Um, I know he 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 seems to be quite controversial um, for some reasons that I understand, and for some reasons that I don't understand. But um, I think generally Joe Rogan is a pretty cool guy. Um, he so there there is this show. I don't know if you've heard about it. There's a show called Fear Factor um, here in the United States, um, and it was one of those like challenge things where you'd have like people and they do all these like crazy things sometimes like eating eating bugs or something like that um and it was things that would like make people scared or, or feel creeped out um and if you got to the end you won a bunch of money right and he was the host of fear factor um i remember watching that when i was 10 and he was a really cool guy i liked him so that was my first impression um and then i saw him doing stuff like with uh mma the ufc and whatever and i um, I'm not a big, I'm not big on that type of stuff, but I've always liked martial arts. And there was a time where I, I actually watched quite a lot of UFC with my uncle. Cause he likes to watch it. Um, so I saw Joe Rogan kind of commentating in there. And then of course he has his podcast, which is like the biggest podcast on the planet. And he talks to a lot of people, some of which are very controversial. Um, I have a generally very good opinion of Joe Rogan. Um, I don't agree with everything. Like, obviously he's very anti-vegan. I'm a vegan. (laughs) Um, you know, he's uh, really big on hunting and this and that and he has his reasons for it. I disagree with his reasons, but, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. So you don't have to agree on everything to like somebody. Um, and I don't know. I think he's a pretty cool guy. Um, and I think his podcast is, I know some people, because I don't know your guys' view on this, so maybe the things I'm going to say is going to make you, like, unsubscribe from my channel and, like, never come back or whatever. I don't know. But, um, you know, we all have our our perspectives. Um, I think that, especially with what's going on in the country and in the world today, especially this country, um, and him, you know, he talks to people on the left, he talks to people on the right, he talks to, you know, scientists, he talks to people who believe very crazy, unscientific things. He talks to, you know, all kinds of people about all kinds of things. Um, and I think that that's generally a good thing, um, and the fact that he's so popular and he has a lot of people um listening to him, and even a lot of people protesting him, um I think it's it's, I mean, I don't agree with them protesting him necessarily, but um, I think it's generally a good thing because conversations are being had and people are listening to those conversations um and obviously you don't have to care about all the topics or anything, but some of them I think are very important topics that, uh, more people need to talk about. Um, especially like here, Americans, he's talking about some things that I think more Americans need to be talking about and looking at. And, um, he seems to approach things, um, many things. I mean, I don't watch, you know, hours and hours of his stuff. I don't you know listen to every podcast, but I've watched quite a few of his, his or listened to quite a few of his, his things. And um, he generally seems to be quite open-minded about things. Um, he'll definitely push back, you know, or, or, you know, whatever, if he thinks something's wrong, you know, he'll have his, his guy who's doing all the technical stuff, look, look up the detail and be like, Oh, you know, is that right? Let's double check that, whatever. Um, but generally he's just kind of like having conversations with people and, you know, hanging out and um, I think it's good. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Could be wrong. I'm wrong about a lot of things, I'm sure. (laughs) What do you think about Joe Rogan? (laughs) Which, now that I think of it, what do you think of Joe Rogan? That could have been a question of, what do you think of Joe Rogan as a source of imitation? (laughs) See, now that's what we were talking about. (laughs) Um, And then I went off on that big thing. But now you know my perspective on Joe Rogan. (laughs) So... There you go. Uh, what is the difference between be, been, being, and how to use them in sentences? Uh, well these are all different versions of the verb to be, so that answers the first part. <laughs> um, what's the real difference between them? It's, it's a grammatical structure. Um, similarly to have, be is not quite as crazy, but similarly, to have "be" is used not just as a main verb, but it's also used in grammatical structures. Um, and so that's where it gets a little bit confusing. You know, if you have like the verb to eat, that's not really used in any grammatical structures, so it's pretty easy. Eat is eat, right? It's not usually complicated. Um, the main or the the verb itself is to be, right? Which I would argue it's just "be" without the "to," but that's a different topic. Um, and that's the basic form of the verb. Uh, We conjugate I am, you are, we know that. Okay, whatever. Um, So if you have a sentence like I want to be, then you're going to use be in that case. Um, That's just the unconjugated form. Like I want to eat, same thing. I want to be, okay. Um, Been... Which in American English is most people pronounce that bin with the second vowel sound. Canadian English, well, some Canadian English and British English pronounce it bean with the first vowel sound, um, but we pronounce it bin. So that is uh, what is that? I have been. That's the past participle. Past participle. Um, or as some people are taught, it's the third form of the verb. Um, there's like the the regular verb, the past tense form, and then the second past tense, the third form, past participle. So we'll use that in the perfect tenses, right? Like I have been um, so it's just like I have eaten right? Or I have done um, it's just if you have to use be in that structure have been, had been, will have been, future perfect then we're going to use bin instead of B. That's how it changes. Um there might be another use for bin that I'm not thinking of that's not in the present perfect. Um but yeah, it's like if I ask you, How have you been? Right? It's like, How are you? How have you been? It's basically the same thing. Um in this case, except how are you? I'm it's kind of more like, well, right now, how are you? Where if I say how have you been, you know, maybe I haven't seen you for a long time, and so. I'm sort of, there's really not a difference of meaning in this particular case, but using how have you been sounds kind of a bit more like I'm, I'm saying, well, it's been a while. So over this time, you know, I hope you have been well, or, you know, tell me, did you know, was there a good time, bad time, all this stuff, whatever. Um, So using that present perfect um, can maybe give us a little bit of a different flavor to it, or um, maybe imply a little bit of different, um, information in the question Um, but anyway uh, another example with been I have been to Japan so we often use this with the present perfect um, or maybe the past perfect uh, but especially present perfect to talk about experience right Um, if I say I went to Japan um, or I was in Japan just the simple past of to be that is something completely different Um, that's talking about a a point in time. Okay. But if I say I have been to Japan, I'm talking about an experience. I I had that experience in the past. That continues to today. So I'm going to use I have been to Japan at some point in the past, and that experience stays with me. It's kind of a difficult grammar point. Um, But, uh, yeah. And then... Being, let me know if you have any other questions about be or bin, but being is what I would call the ing form, that's how I like to call it, Um, which depending on how it's grammatically being used, it might be the gerund, uh, which um, I believe is the same as the present participle. Technical grammar. (laughs) There's some details of technical grammar I never particularly paid attention to because they're they're not necessary. Um, I like to call it the ING form because um, this ING form is also used to make nouns, right? So you might have being as um, like, I don't know, he, um, oh, and this is interesting. So you can use is, right? Or some form of to be with being, right? If I say he is being stupid, right? I mean, like he is acting stupid um you can actually use both of these together because we in order to make this continuous form the continuous uh tense which is not the simple tense in british english i believe that's called the um continuous progressive progressive tense um same idea in order to make that you need the ing at the end but you also need some form of the verb to be and if the verb that we're making into the ing form is the verb to be, you still need the verb to be in some other form before it. (laughs) So he is being, he was being, he has been being, right? This is where it gets complicated because we're applying different parts of grammar to the verb to be. Um, But the way that you want to think about this is right. When we say, um, Well, no, see, because that can shift. Um, You want to try to think of things in terms of main verbs and helping verbs. Um, To be can be a main verb, just like have can be a main verb. And to be can be a helping verb, just like have can be a helping verb. Helping verbs are used for grammar. Um, So when we say, I have a car, or he is tall, those are main verbs, right? That's the verbs we're using to communicate the idea itself. But when I say, he is walking... The main verb is walk. And in order to grammatically construct the idea of him walking now, like he's doing the action now, we have to put is and ing. He is walking. Um, or with the present perfect, I have done. That have is a helping verb. It's, as I said before, it's not actually have. Um, So it doesn't really have that same meaning of owning or possessing something. But then if we say, he has been being stupid, right? Now, normally has been, right? I have been to Japan. Been is the main verb be in that present perfect form. But if I say he has been being, once we use that present continuous, right? He has been eating. He has been walking, um, now both have and been are helping verbs and whatever that ing verb becomes the main verb, right? This is one of the points of English grammar that can get a little complicated and a little confusing. And it's why we have questions about have and be and um, also do uh, very frequently because these verbs are also used in grammatical structures, not just as verbs themselves. Um And again, that's why have, be, and do are, I believe, the three most common verbs in English because they have their main verb meanings, but then they also have all these different um, grammatical uses for structure where they don't actually have a meaning in themselves. It's just kind of the structure of it. Um, But going back to being... um, I think I've mostly answered your question. (laughs) If you have any other specific questions or you want some more details, uh, or you have any any specific examples that you're wondering about, um, definitely you can mention those. Um, But let's see, is there anything else to say about this? Um, Yeah, I would, as I said, I would really focus on the idea of the difference between main verb and helping verb, or auxiliary verb, as they're called. because that's going to really help your brain to sort of sort out what's happening here and um, how to properly use these things. Um, Cause if you don't know these concepts of like a main verb and a helping verb, then things can get really confusing and they're actually, it's actually harder to remember because your brain is just like, Oh, there's the verb be, and it has these different forms. Well, when do I use them? <laughs> uh, well, it depends on what you're saying. It depends on what structure you need. Right. Um, like, if you ask the question, what's the difference between eat, eaten, and eating, right? It, it depends on, you know, what are we saying? What's what's, what's the, the grammatical structure? They all mean eat, right? They all mean the same thing. Um, it's just, are you saying I eat? Are you saying I am eating? Or are you saying I have been eating? would be present perfect continuous. Or um, I have eaten already? Okay. So it all depends on um, it's it's much more about it's not so much about be being or be it's not so much about be bin and being as it is about the grammatical structure you need to convey what you're talking about. So i was trying not to repeat myself too much in that. I don't think I succeeded. <laughs> I do that sometimes. Um, If the idea isn't completely clear in my mind, I'll start saying it. And it's like I'm sort of talking to myself and I'll sort of circle back around. (laughs) Um, It's unfortunate, but that's how my brain works. So, Uh, any other questions or comments or whatever? We're already at almost two hours and it's, um, well, we're not quite at two hours, but. It's 8.17 here, so um, I'm cool going until 8.30, maybe 9, but um, we're probably going to end pretty soon here. So if anybody has any questions, or I guess I should say if either of you have any questions, since there's only two of you here, (laughs) um, definitely ask them now. Um, what else? Let's see. I don't know. I'm kind of just like useless unless you guys ask me a question. I'm just sitting here, I have no idea what to say, no idea what to do. Um, yeah. To bet the cat's not here. She's probably outside the door. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, um, I know there's only two of you here, but um, I don't know if either of you are following me on other platforms. You don't have to, of course, but Twitter specifically, um, if you use Twitter at all, that's where I send out my updates and stuff. So, um, I mean, I'm not tweeting like every day. I'm not talking about my life or anything, but, uh, the T lesson for the T sound that was supposed to be done was today, Thursday, I was supposed to be done like Sunday, Saturday or Sunday. (laughs) And that didn't happen. Um, and so I sent out a tweet because I tried to record it, but I, if I remember it, I had an audio problem, um something. And so I was like, okay, it's delayed. And then I tried to record it again yesterday and half of it, I had to change the battery uh, halfway through and I forgot to replug in my mic. And so the audio is just awful on the second part. So I have to redo that. So I tweeted that out. Um, So if you guys are like wondering like, Hey, why hasn't he posted? Or, you know, I thought he was going to do this or that you can go to Twitter um, and see if I have any updates posted there. Um, of course, I also try to post updates uh, into Patreon as well. If you are a Patreon member, but um, that's also very optional. So, yeah, nothing else. No other questions about pronunciation, grammar. What mm, else? That's all languages, right? Pronunciation, grammar, vocabulary how to learn, speaking, listening, reading, writing, input, output. Well, if there's no more questions, I see we're down to one person, so somebody left. Um, I guess I will end the stream. So, um, thank you very much for joining everybody who is here and is not here now (laughs) and the one person who is still here. Um, Thank you for joining very much. I appreciate it. Glad I could answer your guys' questions. And um, next week, yeah, everything should be good for next Thursday as well. Um, It'll be at an earlier time. Well, earlier for me. So um, again, go on Twitter to see the details of that but um thank you very much and i guess i'll just go ahead and end the stream so if you liked this episode don't forget to check out the social links you can find english hacks on youtube facebook twitter and even tiktok thanks for listening see you in the next one